Welcome back to the Everyday Hair Colorist. Today, my guest is Carolyn Sanderson. She is a salon owner and a business coach, and she's been running her business coaching now for over 10 years and has some really fantastic stories. And I think that in this age that we're living in, uh, successful salons, going back into the salon, making sure that you're running your salon properly, uh, this is going to be a really beneficial chat. So welcome. Hi, Jack. Lovely to be here. Thanks for asking me on. Thank you for coming on board. As I was saying in the the preamble, uh, there's a lot of concern about people going back into the salon and, uh, you know, what it's going to look like and how do we manage. Business coaching. How did you get into business coaching? It's this huge thing now. Everyone I know has a business coach, except for me, so I might be (laughs) calling you. But how did you get into that? And what is it? Okay, so I would have to take you back to 2009. Um, Back in 2009, during the last recession, I was running my salon at the time and literally was almost bankrupt. So I'd been open since 2002. So we'd been open for quite a good few years. And to begin with, it was okay. It was doing quite well. And I just kept making mistake after mistake after mistake. Come 2009... I was eight months pregnant and my manager at the time, she left uh, work one day without any notice with a stolen client list under her arm, went to rent a chair across the road. Wow. And I was, yeah. (laughs) So I was literally at rock bottom. And like I say, I was eight months pregnant and I was about to become a single mother. Um, So the list of, I could could go on with the list of the the stuff that was going on in my life at the time, but it was that rock bottom moment that you don't forget. And during that time, it was the 2009 recession, and it's it's the closest thing that I can think of that's, you know, I know it's not like just now, but there was just so much fear around, um, so much telling you what not to do, doom and gloom. And I just made a decision in that time that I was going to, do I was going to turn the business around to see what I was truly capable of because I thought if this doesn't work and if I do have to throw in the towel and walk away at least I've given it my best shot because up until that point I think it's fair to say that often we do run our businesses but are we running them as well as we could are we actually giving it our best shot I think fear was in in the way quite a lot for me and that was when I decided that I was I wasn't going to throw in the towel I was going to do whatever it took. I was going to learn what I had to learn to turn the business around. And that was when I started to adopt my own mentors and my own coaches. Right. But they, they were um, outside of the hair industry, actually. All my mentors are outside of the industry. And what I did was I learned from them. So I learned from, uh, you know, brilliant business minds in marketing but also brilliant minds in general that are very big on uh, mindset. That was one of the first things that I had to do. And I basically just started to learn these principles, put them in place bit by bit, step by step. And in 2010, that was a year after I was kind of almost um, at rock bottom, like I say, that was when I very first created my first course. Um, I was the first person in the world, believe it or not, to create a Facebook marketing course for salons and spas. And that came off the back of basically being almost rock bottom and having to learn all this stuff. And then once I started to use it, it worked so well, I thought I have to share this. And that was how it came about. I thought I have to share this information. 
So that's that's really fascinating because I always think that out of our despair, there is a, a shimmer of light in that and you can really learn from those moments, but it's finding the nerve to do it. And the other thing I think is really interesting about this is that so many hairdressers want to open a business, but they don't have the business skills. And we spoke to a lady a few weeks back who was terrified of opening a salon because she didn't have the skill set. And what she realised was that she needed to learn the skill set. Yes. You know, great. Carry on. Tell me more. Yeah. So so you're, you're correct in saying that. We open it because we're creative. We're good at what we do. We're great hairdressers. And we think, and, and for me at the time, it was just the, the next logical step. It wasn't like a big... Uh, goal for me to open my own salon it was I had been renting a chair I was self-employed there wasn't many that were doing it back there at that time but the place where I was it was really run down it wasn't really managed very well so it kind of was born from that Um, myself and a a few of the people we wanted to like a better environment to work in and I actually did look around other places but nobody was doing it back then so that was how my salon was born and I didn't have a clue about business I thought I'll just rent a few chairs and then all the money that I take in I'll get to keep that (laughs) how wrong was I (laughs) yes there is a saying isn't there that the boss should not be the busiest person in the salon Yes. Um, because you shouldn't be relying on just yourself to work hard. You're providing the premises, you're providing all the materials and all of that stuff. And you should be encouraging your team to fly so that everyone benefits. Absolutely. I mean, I don't rent chairs anymore. I made a transition round about that time when I said to you 2009. That was when I, I, I made that transition into employing. And after I had my baby, like I said, uh, when I was eight months pregnant and I left, I just had two kind of young stylists at the time and we were thrown in at the deep end because it was my manager that had walked out and myself that were the busiest. So although they were well trained, they hadn't had the opportunity to really shine because we were so busy. But as soon as I left, there was no choice. So I spent a lot of time, literally my last month of pregnancy, I went in, I started to put systems in place, telling them this is how you check the stock, order the stock, this is how you do. We put systems in place and every client that I had, you know, I'd put in the notes watch out for this bit here and this one you know her color throws off warmth or this one's got a hairline or you know I just put as much that I could do to help them and it taught me a big lesson because we never lost a penny they absolutely were bombed out and they were flying they rose to the occasion Mm. and the customers a lot of the customers were of of course you're going to have your diehard customers that only want you but a lot of them were really happy with these young guys that I trained and I thought why would I come back take them all back and fill my column when these guys are flying and they're getting an opportunity and that was when it was like that decision was made I only went back one day a week on the salon floor then and my focus was really to to build the team it was their turn I'd done my 20 years (laughs) yeah I think sometimes people's egos get wrapped up in it, though, don't they? And they want they want to be the busiest, and they want to be this, and they want to be that, and that's where the business piece of it goes slightly wrong. Yes, I think so. It is a realization there when you see it's such an amazing feeling when you 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 come off the tools and you actually see that it's it's almost like when you're down in the dirt you can't see properly, and then it's like taking that step back and you can really see your business from a a, a bigger place, like a bigger vision, if that makes sense and seeing them grow and develop it was that realization of 
hey, well, maybe it's not so much, oh, maybe I'm not so good after all, but it is that real, you've got to let go of that feeling of you're the only one that can do it. You've got to delegate. You've got to give them that opportunity to grow and develop, definitely. So Salon Jedi is the name of your coaching yes. company. Where did that come from, Jedi? It's very like, it's it's like a warrior. Well, it's more of the kind of, the Jedi, obviously, somebody who is amazingly great at something. And the idea was, and also I love the mindset of the Jedi, that Jedi mindset, right. because a lot of my training is is deep within that. And I, I love Star Wars, I'm a fan. So it just sort of sounded cool. I just thought Sal and Jedi, and it was about becoming a master of your Salon business. So what happened then? You started looking at Facebook. Now, Facebook by 2010 had sort of stalled a little bit with younger people, but was still working very well with people in their 30s, 40s, 50s and older. What did you do with Facebook? I think the key with Facebook back then... um, you know, I can remember people actually laughing at me at the time when I was saying this is going to be huge for salon businesses. You know, you can need yes. to get your business on there. And they're like, are you crazy? Like people were using it personally, but not so much for business, but certainly not in our industry. But the key thing about Facebook back then was when you had a business page and people liked your business page or they were a fan, they used to call it at the time. They actually seen your stuff. They would see it in the live feed. Yes. So if you had, you know, and I'd been learning about marketing and how to write the marketing, how to grab attention. And I was just using images at the time. So it would just be, you know, your text and an image. I know video's big now, but back then it was just an image to to, to grab attention. Yeah, exactly. And we just started filling columns, like empty columns, fully booked. We'd put a post up in the morning and we'd be fully booked. And it was more about how the marketing was written, it was understanding how to write your marketing, who your target audience is, that kind of thing, um, as opposed to, hey, we've got an offer today. <laughs> yes, 25% off. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what we want to be doing, is it? So no, what we did was we kind of, that was one of the things that really helped me transform at the time was we niched down. So I understood my niche. Uh, my niche was uh, redesign. So like, changing your look. So it would be thinking of changing your hair, for example, would be the headline, thinking of changing your hair. You need our specialist redesign service, that type of thing. So, you know, that kind of hooked people in. If they were thinking of changing their hair, they're going to stop and and take a look at the the message. So, um, and I think there wasn't many people doing it back then. And it just worked. No, there definitely wasn't because I came back to the UK in 2010 and nobody was doing like a USP. It was general service salons and you had some colour specialists, but they used to be called tinters and permas. People hadn't harnessed the power of media at that point. No, Very clever. no, they definitely hadn't. But um, it just kind of fell into my lap. I do believe back then, it's, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in uh, universal laws and, and mindset and that kind of thing. And, and back then, the key thing for me was once I'd made the choice and once I'd made the decision and once I started to really focus on the outcome that I wanted, I can remember back then saying to myself, what can I do that's so big? Like I'm at rock bottom now. What could I do and achieve that's so big that... 
um, I know that it's my mindset that's that's I've created it, if that makes sense. And I kind of gave myself this goal of being British Hairdressing Awards, Scottish Hairdresser of the Year. Never done a photo shoot in my life. You know, my salon was almost at rock bottom. But yeah. I'm a firm believer once you make a decision on something and that's your choice and you really desire it and you want it, the circumstances and situations seem to come to you and, and the Facebook knowledge, I didn't go, right, I'm going to master Facebook and go out and start researching it. It just kind of happened organically. This is what I say when I talk about social media to any salon is that, you know, that you're not going to be super successful at it straight away. Maybe you are, but the majority of us aren't. You're going to have to learn and it doesn't have to be perfect to begin with because you need to evolve as you shape the message as you develop and that's the important thing is to do it to have the plan yes i mean i couldn't agree more with you there it's because some people are waiting for perfection or they're too scared to put themselves out there they're too scared to you know i've got people that have been sitting on their website for about two years they want it to be perfect before they launch it whereas when i was growing back then my motto was very much just launch it test it tweak it launch it test it tweak it just launch it launch it and and really to be honest i didn't have the budget a lot of the marketing i did back then was free marketing i didn't have the budget to have this beautiful looking brand or that kind of thing i didn't have the luxury of that i literally but i didn't need it because what happened was the marketing message was so strong and because we'd niche down etc and the, the marketing that we were doing uh, the money, the extra money that was coming in, then we just reinvested it. I just put it back into the business. And then as you're putting it back in, then you can afford to make it look a bit better. And then you put more yes. in, etc. So I think you've hit the nail on the head. As it's, it's progress. You've just got to get going with it. Yes, I always use the analogy that what what was your first haircut like? What was your first set of foils like? What was your first cap highlight like? They weren't great. Do you no. know what I mean? It was your first. <laughs> My first pin curl was terrible. Yeah. But you get better at it. And it's the same. I don't understand why people get so frightened of social media. Because, you know, first of all, really, salons need to be just talking to their local market, to their clients, engaged with their clients. And everyone kind of thinks, well, if I've only got 200 followers, that's not good enough. But if it's 200 people that come to see you, that's an amazing way to talk to them. Oh, absolutely. It's not uh, the, the volume of, of how many that you have. It depends what no. your your strategy is. If you've got 200, if you're in a village and you've got 200 people that follow you, but they're all local potential customers, fabulous. Yeah, amazing. I think it's amazing. And I think when people start realising that, they're like, oh, and then they start having a go. Yeah, yeah. I think they've got to give it a go. That's for sure. So marketing is something big that you talk about in your um, in your seminars and your teachings. And you also talk about mindset. Yes. Now, you know, of late, mindset has become the thing, hasn't it? Mindfulness and everything. Yes. But it really, actually, it is a skill and it's a great skill. What do you talk What do you think about mindset? Yes, it's, it's for me, mindset is the foundation so I have a system that when I'm going in and I'm teaching my salons and, and I've done this even back from as far back as 2010. So I've been teaching this for 10 years because as a coach, what I'm teaching other people is what's worked for me. Yes. So it's not, you know, it's just my experience. This is what worked for me. And it wouldn't be fair for me to not also share that mindset was such an important part for me. And like you say, it's it's not like, oh, just think positively and all of a sudden 
everything is going to be quite it's like um exercising the more you exercise the fitter and the stronger that you get on the outside and the more you inner size and the more you work in your inner world the stronger that gets it's about creating new habits it's about yes. uncovering old fears pushing through some fears letting go of fears understanding how you think and where that's come from how all these things affect us now yes very you much know? so um it's, it's just having more of a mindfulness and understanding of your inner world but it's been a huge part and, and when I teach what I say is you've got to upgrade your mindset as well as your skill set it's not enough just to do I could teach somebody this amazing marketing tool that's fabulous but it will not work the same for them if they're not in the right inner space if they're not in the right mindset if they don't have the right beliefs around it as you mentioned before beliefs around pricing so if they've got really sort of disempowering money beliefs or self-worth beliefs I can show them this great marketing trick this tool and it might work for them but they won't have lasting results so what I tend to do when I'm doing my training is I start from the inside out so mindset is the foundation to get yourself right then the marketing Okay, so it's got to be built on that solid foundation of the mindset, then the marketing to get the clients coming in, then management, because as you're getting busier, you're going to have to manage it all. And then, of course, systems, we call it maintenance after that. So the four M's, then it's maintenance and that's systemizing everything. So eventually, if you want, like myself, you can get yourself off the floor. You can have a a salon that works without you. And yeah, you're the visionary as opposed to being behind the tools. Absolutely. And, I, and you're the leader, yeah, the leader of the ab- team. Absolutely. In that. I am. Um, I spent years in therapy um, when I lived in the States because I'd come to this realisation that I I'd thought, uh, why am I single? And I've been single for so long. And I was like, I meet loads of nice guys, you know, all lovely. And it was th- and I went into therapy with the question, which was, um, what am I? What is wrong with me that I meet all these people? Yes, I'm still single. And that's where I started my journey of self-awareness and looking at myself. And all things got covered in that. It mm. was, um, but mindset really, once you get in there and you get to understand your flaws as well yeah. as your strengths, and you can ad- admit and talk to them, you do come out stronger. Yes, I think so. And I think you've got to let go of the need of trying to be good at all things as well. It's, it's you know, yes. it's just really self-acceptance. And a lot of it is just acceptance of the situation as it is now. Yes, we want to improve. Yes, we want to get better. We live in that ever-evolving world. But mindfulness to me is the awareness of the moment and being more accepting of things as they are now. It's okay to be ambitious and to want more. That's fine. But yes. if you're not happy in the moment while you're chasing that, it it never comes. <laughs> it- it never tastes as good. <laughs> that's, that's it never true. <laughs> tastes as good, you know. It's when you when you feel good about yourself, and that's you know that's not about being perfect. That's just feeling yeah. good about yourself. So much more comes. It's it's quite interesting, isn't it? It is, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about um, pricing. Yes. I recently was at an event. Uh, I teach a lot, as you know, and somebody was saying that they charged forty pounds for a color correction. Well, I nearly choked. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that a lot of people don't, again, hairdressers, when we talk about self-worth, a lot of hairdressers are frightened to charge accordingly. And they're worried that somebody down the street's charging less that they'll get more customers. And it's the fight to the bottom sometimes, which always concerns me. 
How, what are your top tips on pricing? At the most fundamental level, I think the key is not to make, I'll tell you the biggest blunder, put it this way, I'll tell you one of the biggest blunders, because and the reason I know this is because this was my pricing strategy when I started out. So you would look around at what other people are charging, Yes. Uh, get an average, and then if, you know, maybe mark yourself somewhere just above the average, because you're better than average, right? But you're not putting right. yourself right up to the top, okay? This is where a lot of, you know, when I say this at my events, everyone's like, Yes. I mean, you'll get the odd one that's like, no, I put mine to the top. Great. But mo- the majority of people are like, oh, my goodness. Yes, that's where I did start. But then I seen other people dropping their price. So then I followed them and I started to drop my price, too. But it's having the understanding that people associate price with quality. And, you know, and, and often I try and flip it around to them and say, if you were, um I don't know, let's say you're getting your teeth done. And in a, on average, it's like, you know, you go to one place and it's like £3,000. You go to another place, it's £300. You're not necess- you know, you're not going to be running to the one that's 300 if you're going to be getting something that you really care about. I'm associating that with value. I'm like, hold on a second, that's too cheap. What's the catch? Yes, it's too cheap compared to the other, isn't it? So yeah, it's, like, it's, what, like, it's, it's what's... what's... Yeah, what's the catch? Yeah. I, I, I'm wanting quality. So it's the same with pricing. It's like if I see, if same with the salon, sorry, it's like, it can, you know, a lot of clients will associate that with quality. I'm not saying every client, but I'm trying to get the point across that clients do not shop on price alone. There's a small percent that only shop on price alone that really don't have the money to spend. Most people, it's value. What is the value when they're handing over that payment, no matter what it was, £100, £200, £300, do they feel that they got value from it? Was it worth it? I think that's really clever to, that loads of people admit to the fact that they sort of look at the local prices, pick the average, maybe pop themselves a little bit above it. But the other thing that really worries me is that pulling prices out of the air without understanding all the other costs that add to it. Because, you know, yes, you can go to Sally's and get a tube of tint for £9 and a bottle of peroxide for 12 or something, even if the brands don't match. Not that I'm an advocate of that. But then there's, there's so much more going on for you to actually make money off a service. And we're not fighting for the box market colour. We're not interested in them because they'll never come to a salon. They will always take the box. Mm. It's the women who come to the salon. What advice do you give on that? Uh, yes, I think you're right. And that's why when I said that the last, the pricing strategy that a lot of people use is so fundamentally wrong. The reason that it's so fundamentally wrong is because we don't know what their expenses are. We don't know what their salon costs. We don't know what their rent is. We don't know how many staff they've got. We know nothing about the expenses. And it's it's a big mistake that, that, that I guess, not just salons, is actually any sort of service industry is not looking at the profitability. It's normal to do that if it's a product. Okay, so I yes. buy this product in for £5 and I want to make XYZ profit. So this is what I'm going to charge for this. You know, you get all your expenses and then you work out what you want to make on it. But for some reason in a lot of service industries, particularly the salon industry, they don't do that. They, they don't take how much they want to earn. Okay, how much do you want to make? That's what we always ask. It's, well, how much do you want to make? That's the first thing. And then also, well, what's your expenses? Yes, then we work out the formula between that because, you know, we have to know what our break-even is, but we've got to have a goal as well. 
Yes, absolutely. I'm all for I'm all for charging your worth and charging what you want to make. You know, especially colouring. Colouring is such a a skilled job. It is a skilled job, and commercial hair colour has changed so much anyway, hasn't it? In the last ten years, I mean, it's no longer a a tint, a T section, and whatever. It is, you know, there's a whole gamut going on there, and I think that if you understand all those things that you've talked about, when you sit and talk to a client, you can be so much more confident about talking to her about what you're going to do and how much it's going to be. Mm. Hairdressers seem to have this fear. They sort of put the head down and go, oh, it's 10.99 and they sort of whisper <laughs> it or it's, you know, yes. 300 pounds. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is the price, you know? Yeah. And and if you know the price and you know the value of it, you can be more confident with it. Yeah, and I think a customer would pick up on that as well, is when you're confident and you know your worth and your value, that's the whole point, was when you say, when someone says to you, let's say, I don't know, let's say one hairdresser's 100 for a colour and the other one is 300. If that person with 300 is saying 300 with a smile and complete confidence as in, this is what I'm worth. I know what I'm worth because I've invested myself for the last 10 years flying all over the place, learning from the best. I know I'm worth this. It comes across, that confidence comes across. And then the customer, whoever that is, they'll they'll make a decision based on, okay, more expensive, super confident, they must be good, or, you know, whatever it is that goes on their head that they make their decision. But I think it's important, whatever you're charging, you stand by that and you feel your self-worth within that, rather than being like the, you know, many, many, many who actually know that they should be charging more. They know deep down. Yes, they do know deep down, but they they somehow haven't been able to figure it all out. We found on this podcast that our American brethren are much more confident in all of that. And they know their worth and they sell it. And it seems slightly English, not to want, or British, so let's say British, not to want to talk about money. It's a dirty word, <laughs> but yet we all need it. Yeah, yeah. And again, this comes back to all these things when I'm coaching and I'm coaching salon owners, even stylists, it comes back to fears. It comes back to our inner world, our fears, our representations of ourselves, what, what our relationship with money. You know, I've had to work hard over the years. I mean, I come from, um, you know, council house, didn't have any money. And then all of a sudden being a business owner, but realising in my first five years of businesses not really making any money at rock bottom I mean I had a lot of issues uh around a relationship with money so it's taken me a lot like you say that inner world working on that mindset it takes time to kind of get that in place that you're actually like how much I make is a reflection of how well I am serving people I flip that around in my head it's it's you know if I am serving you well and I'm giving you a lot of value you will pay me and if a lot of people are paying me for that value, that means I'm giving great value. Absolutely. I um, When I came back to the UK, one of the things I found really hard was that the 360 wasn't great. In, and I was working in all sorts of places at the time. From point of entry to point of exit, you know, their assistants were letting them down or other colourists weren't playing their, their role. The reception team, I, the mm. one place I worked at the receptionists were talking to each other and chewing gum, which I just can't bear. And this woman had had a full head of extensions, a full head of colour and lights. The bill was enormous. And they gave the card machine to her, but carried on talking to each other. And I'm like, I need to get out of here. You know, I need to get out of here. So for me, it's it's so important that the experience, as well as the work, is good. Mm. And there I feel very comfortable charging. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're going to charge premium rates, 
it's got like I say, it comes back to the value. In the end, they have to feel that every yeah. part of the experience in the journey was worth it. Every part. They will, you know, sometimes like a little bit of a, a dimmer switch in the journey. If something goes wrong, then yes, they can kind of little let you off with that if it's something just but simple things that you really expect customers expect more they do not expect somebody standing chewing gum <laughs> at, a, nope. at a desk so you or know drinking coffee simple. or sat in a chair yeah. talking it's the yeah. simple things but they definitely don't expect that they've got like a high expectation and if we can even exceed that expectation that's when they're really feeling like wow this is i understand why they charge yes. what they charge because yeah Absolutely. this is worth it Absolutely. When I look after the youngsters in the salon and I always, when the new ones are on board and if they're sort of leaning against the door a little bit or a bit slouchy and I always say to them, just imagine you're going out to the most expensive restaurant that you like and yes. they tell me what the name of it and say it's Nando's or something, you know. And I say to them, now, can you imagine if the waiter came up to you in Nando's and pulled up a chair and sat down and called you love hello, and was slouching against the wall, how would you feel about that fantastic mm. dinner? And they're always like, oh, I wouldn't like that. And I'm like, that's exactly how it is here. We are providing a service. And it always, it clicks with them though. You know, it's yeah. quite a good one. I think like bringing it back to the coaching, when you were asking about the coaching, um, that's a great way of doing that is actually shifting it around when you're working with your team or, you know, your, your stylist or whoever um, is actually shifting it around. And I always do just exactly what you've done there is try and put yourself in, the customer's shoes. How would you yeah. feel? What was your best experience? And I often ask them, what was the your last worst experience that you can remember? Why? How did you? And they, they'll go through and tell you, well, I went to a restaurant and this happened. And, she, and, mm. and why did you feel that? Well, she never listened. And why? And, and you know, and build it down and build yes. it down until eventually they go, oh, yeah, OK, I felt indifferent. I felt like they didn't care whether I was there or not. And nobody wants to feel indifferent yeah, oh no. or ignored. Exactly. Yeah. And that's how you lose your clients. That's how you lose your clients. This segues in really nicely to discounts. Yes. I, you know, when I first came back to London, I didn't have a clientele at all. And I thought it was going to be easy. And obviously it wasn't. And I did use Groupon um, a couple of times. And I actually have still got the clients that have carried on that journey with me from then. How do you feel about discounts and colour sales? Sorry, yes. Um, I think that I've never done anything like Groupon in my life. I've never done any of those vouchers, Groupons. I have given discounts. I tend to go more for packaging up value as opposed to discounts. But over the years, yes, of course, I've done discounts. But I tend to do more rather than just 20% off, 50% off, that kind of thing is more packaging something up and adding, you know, if you buy this, you'll get XYZ for free as well. You know, right. we'll give you the shampoo and conditioner included or and you'll get maybe a voucher to return. And it's, it's just packaging up that va- value. Um, also, we could kind of have a rule. It's, um, if somebody's coming for the first time, that's fine. You want to give them an irresistible offer, you know, like a reward and a thank you for coming for the first time. Also, if they're buying in advance, we have a lot of our customers that buy in advance. You know, any business wants that where Cash flow. they're actually giving you money up front. Yeah. You know, um, so we, we've got some customers that will give us a year hairdressing up front. Of course, we're going to like if, make sure that that's valuable, that they're getting more for their money than if we were just hoping that they were going to keep coming back over the year because mm. we don't know really if the customer's ever going to come back again once they've left. So we do a lot of things to re-engage them 
loyalty, keeping them tied in. Yes. We unlock certain things after your third visit will unlock a particular package. Oh, you visited us three times now, you're entitled to XYZ package. Just to kind of keep that experience and, and we want to get them in that chair three times. That's our, our key. So That's your key, be... is it? Three times and it's a, it's a good client? Uh, yes. Once you've got them in three times, it's only you that can mess it up after that. That's your client. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. You're basically dangling carrots in front of people in all the time it's a relationship if you think of it like dating going back to when you were saying about dating right. you wouldn't walk into a bar and you know walk up to somebody you like the look of how would you like to get married you want no. to build a relationship <laughs> with them you know you yes. want to kind of first of all be seen so you want to yeah. be seen a little bit of flirting they know that you're there they're aware of you so we start with awareness then we want to kind of convert them into a client and then we want to build the relationship then we say hey would you like that's the first date would you like to come in and have this appointment but then you want them on a second and a third date and if you've done that all going well why not continue that relationship unless someone messes it up absolutely i like that that's a really good one so you've taught around the world, seminars around the world, USA, UK, where else? Um, mostly USA and UK, Ireland yeah. as well. Um, yeah. We've done digital digital things where, um, in fact, on Monday, this coming Monday, we're doing an online digital event where people are joining from anywhere in the world. Um, so going digital pivoting to digital yes um, well, so we people, all are aren't we, unfortunately yeah. so people can join anywhere in the world but generally it's mostly uh uk and usa at the moment and you've you're award-winning as well aren't you there are all these things these yeah things out here. yeah it's um I, I kind of go under the radar i think quite a lot that a lot of people don't know a lot of the achievements that i've had so like i say i've, I've won most wanted business thinker twice fantastic um, that's a great one yeah, Scottish Hairdress of the Year of one. Um, we we our little team were even up for British Hairdresser of the Year, the artistic team, and we at the time when we were up for that, we were only the Sc- second Scottish salon that was ever up for artistic team of the year. So that was a big kind of notch for us. We didn't win it, but even just getting to the final felt like absolutely a, a massive win. So I tend to um, both creatively and business. You know, I've got quite big wins <coughs> around there. And I've actually also been, um, I was a finalist for Great British Entrepreneur of the Year as well. So not just in our industry, but across the whole country. So that was kind of cool. That's fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations on all that. And some of your success stories. Are you allowed to talk about some of your success stories with salons? Yeah, we've helped some people go from 200 grand to half a million, some people opening extra salons. Um, But even just, for example, I'll give you an example, even just little wins is great as well. We recently, our last school that we did, um, we do like a three-day school, like a workshop where we cover all our systems. And one of the things that we do is we tell them, take your laptop and we're going to do some Facebook marketing. And one of the the ladies, Sarah from Bold Salon, she made £750 of bookings just by, you know, within 24 hours. When she came back the next day, she was like, the advert we did yesterday, I've just got £750 of bookings. So <clears throat> we get some really fast little results like that. Um, That's amazing though, isn't it? That's clever. Yeah, but we've also had some salons that's like uh, £90,000 in a year, £50,000 in a year. Um 
just yeah really successful stories and becoming um i think the most part of it is it's not just the financial it's for them it's the feeling of control of taking control of their business and actually feeling more like they've got all the tools and the systems and the structures that they feel more in control of their salon business that's amazing because really if you don't feel in control it's very scary very scary and you make decisions based in fear which never works out well Fantastic. Where can people sign up to your courses? Um, Probably, uh, I've got a new online academy actually that's just launched that we're still developing, but it's new. And that's academy.salonjedimarketing.com. And actually, one of the things that we're doing right now, Jack, is I've kind of pledged during this coronavirus, I've pledged uh, £100,000 worth of free training. So on there, there's a course that's called Uh, the mindful salon source code and it's actually I'm giving it away for free during lockdown but it's a key part of my training it's the whole mindset foundational part of what I usually do and and charge a lot of money for so um, if people go on there they can use a code let me think of what that code is off the top of my head that it's uh, I think it's free dash access I think it's free dash access and they get the mindful sell on source code completely free while it's in lockdown. But just in case it's not that code <laughs> off the top of my head, you can drop me an email info at salonjedimarketing.com. Brilliant. We'll put that in the listings for, on the podcast for you. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming. I've just in this Corona moment, you've spoken about your fantastic gift that you're giving people. And I think that I really think it's amazing that so many of us are offering free education and free help because we can't do a lot, but we can do something. And in this moment, I believe that salons should be getting ready to go yes. back and go back stronger. What's one tip that comes to mind do you have for our audience about when they go back into the salon? Choose. That's the thing that's come to the top of my head is choose. You've got to make a choice. I hear people right now that are talking in a negative way. They're choosing to think of this. We don't know what the future holds. We don't don't know. But we do have a choice of how we handle it and what we choose to think. Because if you go down the road of choosing that it's going to be doom and gloom, you're probably going to attract that. Whereas if you go through the choice of, yep, it might be tough but I will adapt I choose to make a success of this I am ready to adapt then that would be my thing is choose success thank you so much for coming on today great chats love listening to you thank you very much thank you so much thanks so I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did making it for you don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcast from iTunes is my favorite but I know there are others out there And also, if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram, it's Jack Howard Colour, C-O-L-O-R, the American way, not the English way. And on Facebook, it's Jack Howard Colour, C-O-L-O-R. And my website is www.jackhowardcolour, C-O-L-O-R.com. Hold up. 